Hey, Joseph. Hey, Crystal. Do you think there are some unique circumstances in regards to dating that would be worth discussing? Between you and me? Yes. That we are really competent at? Uh, or we can do our best at. We can always try our best. Listen in to find out more. Welcome to A Word from Our Outpost. With Joseph and Crystal Gruber. A podcast for Catholic disciples who are wrestling to be missionary-minded in their normal, everyday lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration, and carry them on by thy gracious assistance, that every word and work of ours may begin in thee, and by thee be happily ended. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. There are a lot of unique circumstances when it comes to the dating world. Yes. We're going to talk about a couple of them. There are a couple that we are going to not talk about. Oh, there are a bunch we're not going to talk about. Oh, my goodness. Should we say what they are real quick? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So real quick, we're not going to talk about dating um, after divorce and annulment or annulment. We're not going to talk about dating after the passing of a spouse. We're not going to talk about... We're not going to talk about dating convicts. True. Um, I'm trying to think about what else people might be wanting to hear about that we're not going to talk about. These are important topics. We're not going to address long-distance dating, really. Oh, that would have been a good one. We can talk about that one. Oh, we could, but we're not going to this episode. Not in this episode. Let's talk about what we will talk about. We are going to just review what the point of marriage is, because that's helpful for giving context. And then we're going to talk about dating non-Catholics. We're also going to talk about um, dating as it relates to things like addiction, mental health issues, family of origin, woundedness, and baggage from prior relationships. Seems like a pretty good grab bag of things people might have questions about. Yeah, kind of a lot. All right. Marriage. We've been talking about it for a while. Sort of the point of dating. Yes. At least if you're a... Catholic disciple wrestling to be missionary-minded. Yeah, and that's what our audience is, because we said so. (laughs) So Catholic marriage, specifically, it's about raising up saints, starting with our spouse. Uh, That's one way to put it. Um, I guess ultimately starting with ourselves. But insofar as we have any influence over the people around us, to encourage them into a life of virtue, a life of loving God and loving neighbor. And God willing, we should also be helping little miniature people become grown-up people that are aiming to be saint-like and are well-educated because of our influence. Yeah, so there's like the... So natural marriage, it's actually very similar to a Catholic marriage other than the idea of sanctity is probably not uppermost. Uh, But it's still an institution ordained by God for the mutual betterment of the spouses and for the procreation and education of children. So that's what a natural marriage is. It's about mutual benefit to one another, that unitive aspect, and then the procreative, the the creation of new life and the fostering of new life. Um, And that may take various forms based on uh, fertility, based on ability, but that's the natural ideal. The Catholic ideal is that it's actually a an apprenticeship for the apostolate for the children it's a place where the community is transformed by christ starting in the home Um, but it's built on the natural framework of a natural marriage which is a good and worth mentioning 
Yes. And I, I know some people are sort of averse to this idea, but I find it very helpful. And I would like to throw it out there as a challenge to think about the family as a small business. It's So I put it this way, and you were skeptical. I was calling it a literal mom-and-pop franchise. Yes. And it, it's interesting because you're right, and I'm skeptical because mom-and-pop and franchise like don't go together in my head, but you made a great argument that that's kind of the point. Because literally getting married is saying, I want to be a mother, aunt, or a father. We want to be mother and father. But... By acceding to the fact that we're entering into what civilized the civilized world calls marriage, we're actually entering something that has a distinct form. We're not just creating something uh, out of thin air. So it's a little bit more like a franchise, but it's a franchise to be a mother and a father. And this is really cool to me. This is a little tangent, so you're going to have to pull me back real fast. I'll try. But this idea of the idea of marriage being about making saints and procreation and education, most especially for couples that aren't able to have their own biological children. When we have this idea of working together side by side, shoulder to shoulder, on a dream, with a mission, there is um, an element of bringing new life into the world through that work together, even if biological children are not happening, which is really beautiful and cool. So... But we're talking about it as a business because that actually is a very helpful clarifying lens to say, would I want to start a business with this person? Yes. Because I think a lot of people look at romantic relationships as uh, somehow separate from the running of a well-ordered home and the uh, contributing toward the common good. And it's more about, you know, I, this person makes me laugh. Or I feel safe with this person, which aren't bad things. I hope people laugh with the people they love. But it's not actually getting at the heart of saying, I want to start something with you where we become a household, where we pursue common goals. Um, you know, this is, this is helpful, especially for those who have a sort of like, savior complex when it comes to dating you know i'll date this person because they they they're so much in need i'll date this person because i might be their salvation it's like that's not sensical because would i go into business with somebody who is just horribly dependent upon me that doesn't sound like a good business relationship it doesn't sound like everybody will be pulling their own weight um Yeah, and I I also think this is really helpful in terms of discerning dating non-Catholics because even when... Which is the first thing we wanted to address. Yeah, so even when we're dating a Catholic, there there are people who go to Mass every Sunday and say that they're Catholic who aren't growing in virtue or make terrible money choices or there are other reasons why they might not be marriageable at this particular moment in time. Um, and, and there could be a non-Catholic who you would love to go into business with. And the only problem is they're not currently practicing the Catholic faith. And so just because somebody says they're Catholic doesn't necessarily mean that they're virtuous or pursuing a life of sanctity. That we would want to go into business with them. Yeah. And there are people who have a lot of natural grace and natural virtue that might actually be worth pursuing a relationship with. 
And so we're going to talk about that. Yeah, this is this is definitely a controversial topic in Catholic circles. Uh, and and to note, like the, there's there's reason for that. When people have a disparity of cult, and, and that's a phrase that um, gets used when people are evaluating marriageability. Um, disparity of cult means we don't worship the same way. When that happens, that does present obstacles to a common life. They're not insuperable. That's why you can have a dispensation. But there is this awkwardness, you know, um, and unless there is clarity and freedom about what that would mean, it, it, it can produce really horrible results in a marriage. I've also seen it play out really beautifully. I've seen uh, there was the story of uh, a man whose wife was a practicing Catholic, and he was an agnostic at best, and his wife died, and he continued to raise his children Catholic. He never became Catholic, I don't think, uh, but he raised his children Catholic because that's what he agreed to, right? So he would take them to, to Mass each week, he would take them to uh, CCD or Religious Ed or whatever it was they called it, wherever I heard the story. Um, so there... There can be a really beautiful witness of somebody saying, I will work alongside you in this. Even if I to I'm not totally sold myself, I can still be a partner to you. Mm -hmm. And and here's the thing. I think this is where the preceding episodes about dating are important in regards to this, most especially as we talk about just going on a couple of dates and having that not be future tripping, not be thinking about what would marriage look like with this person, but to be present to the moment on those first couple of dates, to be present to the person's character, to their virtue, to the way that they treat other people, to the way they listen and respond to you. Um, and so if those, if, if you have that in mind for those first couple of dates, then it's just not a big deal to go on a couple of dates with somebody who happens to not be Catholic. It is a big deal to make a decision whether or not to marry somebody that doesn't share your way of worship. However, you don't know if you can actually tackle, because any marriage is going to have things that are, something is going to be a big deal. Something is going to be difficult. You get to choose that. And so if you're not going to know if the, the disparity of worship the disparity of cult is worth choosing if you don't go on those first couple of dates. Um, and yeah. so dating is not marrying someone. Mm -hmm. So very practically speaking, if you are a gentleman and there is somebody who's caught your eye and you're interested in them and they're not Catholic, ask them for a cup of coffee. And ladies, if a guy asks you out and he seems like a pretty decent fellow um, and seems respectful and isn't Catholic and asks you out on a date, go on a date. It's just one date. You don't have to go on a second date if it doesn't go well. If it does go well, then you can deal with... Keep on discerning. Yeah. Keep on going. And, yeah. and this is something I've seen. I've seen... I've had lots of friends who have done this and they get a couple dates in and they realize this just isn't going to work out. And I have lots of friends who have done this and... Um, they end up getting married and have, like, they don't worship the same way and they work it out and they figure it out. And I have lots of friends that have gotten married and whoever was not Catholic has a conversion at some point in time. Um, which is another point I want to point out. Don't flirt to convert. It's just, it's, 
um, it's a funny phrase, but it's really, really bad and spiritually unhealthy. Yeah. Right. This is why, uh, for the longest time, the Catholic Church said you you cannot marry someone that you are the godparent of, uh, because there's a ki- there's a different kind of bond being formed about somebody who is sponsoring someone into the church than there is in somebody who's marrying the person. Um, now that's been relaxed a little bit. I'm not a hundred percent sure why, but it has been relaxed. Um, but, but I've also seen it where, you know, a, a girl is Catholic and the guy is not, and he decides to become Catholic and she is his main spiritual anchor. And now that's really kind of strange. You know, it's hard for that, per, for the man to sort out, am I actually becoming Catholic because I believe in it? And I think that Jesus is the Messiah and I think the Catholic Church is the one true church that he founded. Or am I going through with this because I don't, uh, I'm not really seeing much to object to it, but I really do want to be with uh, my girlfriend or my future spouse. Um, this and, seems to be the way through to that. Yeah. So it's a spiritually confusing area if the person who's romantically involved with someone is also their main, I don't know, evangelist. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is a call to us as we're dating to live an authentic and attractive Catholic life. And if that happens to have a positive impact on somebody, that's great. I would, and I think this is to Joseph's point, I think if there is an interest in conversion um, to make sure that that person has some friends that are not you to help dig into the faith with is going to make everything um, a lot more sincere and a lot more authentic. Um, however, if if that is your, your intention or your drive is, oh, I'm just doing this to get this person to convert, then st- stop going on dates. <laughs> with that person. You, yeah, it'd be, be okay. If you're not okay with a... F- potential that they might not have a conversion, then that's probably a good time to step away from that particular relationship. Um, so, and, and with that, again, it's just, if we're dating on dating somebody, we're not marrying them and we don't know how it's going to go until we start. Um, we don't want to say no for them. Yeah. Right. We don't want to say, well, you're not Catholic, therefore I could never marry you. It's like, well, hold on. I don't know what their stance is on uh, faith, God, religion, what marriage is for them, what dating is for them, um, until I find out those things, and even those things can change over time. This, I mean, this is literally what a conversion is, is that something has changed, and those happen. And this one of my favorite friends' stories is uh, a friend of mine who started dating a guy who is a fallen-away Catholic, and he was just not well-formed. And so she asked him to read a book. I think it was one of the Christopher West books that has a bunch of question and answers. And he literally nobody had ever taught him why the church taught what it taught, most especially in regards to the issues surrounding sexuality. And he read this book and asked a million questions and was all in as soon as he read that book. And um, and it did that did lead to his conversion. But I think 
you know, she was hesitant to give him a shot initially because he wasn't practicing the faith, but also had this realization of like, well, if he just doesn't know, I can tell him and see. And then he can decide. Yeah. And and I, I don't. I think if he would have decided otherwise, I don't think she would have continued on. And I guess the other point that I brought that particular story up is these, if you're dating a non-Catholic, the most difficult areas to navigate can be areas around chastity because with the way that the world approaches sexuality oftentimes people will see a lack of desire to be physically intimate as you don't actually care about me and so being able to communicate upfront what what those boundaries are going to look like and why they exist is going to be a what makes things go well or not go well um and and with that I mean, obviously, you don't want to put yourself in situations that are definitely going to lead to sin. Um, but if if mistakes are made, we have confession, and hopefully you can navigate and make the best choices possible as frequently as possible. I agree with what has been said. I think I would only add, uh, these are conversations uh, with regarding chastity that are worthwhile bringing up in any dating relationship. It's yes. not just non-Catholics. Yeah. Most Catholics are not particularly well-formed. So if we have expectations about intimacy, to put those up front and let them know, I actually don't want to sleep with anyone except my spouse. You are not my spouse unless we get married. Ergo, um, you know, however the the boundaries would have to be explained. um, You're right. They're not accepted to non-Catholics. No. And, And so a lot of this is similar I, I I did want to share the advice that your um your chaplain had given at one point yes this is a fun one just real practical advice if if online dating is a way that you are feeling worth pursuing uh, I thought that this was a neat recommendation to use um, a secular dating site only locally and he was like hey there's no harm in getting a free lunch <laughs> for the ladies uh, but just I mean, that's a little cheeky, but this idea of with a with a non-Catholic dating site, you, you might meet people, but it's not worth traveling across long distances to do that. And so keeping it local um, and keeping their, an ease and simplicity to that. And then having a much broader geographic radius for Catholic site, because it may be worth making a big move for somebody who is practicing the faith and does have the same way of worship. Oh, and with this, um, also to note, if we don't actually know very many non-Catholics and we want to be dating, that might not mean, that, that might mean we're not actually being rather apostolic. And we should probably be apostolic. We should be engaged in our community. We should be meeting Catholics and non-Catholics and uh, Christians and non-Christians. And so this should be coming up at some point if we are of a dating age and a dating state of life, we should also be engaged in our community such that we meet both Catholics and non-Catholics. So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I, I never even see a non-Catholic and I want to date, uh, that that actually might be something problematic in our world because the, there, are, there are a lot more non-Catholics and non-practicing Catholics than there are practicing Catholics right now. And if we actually want to be in the world but not of the world, we, we should probably be in circumstances where we're coming across people who are not Catholic. So if you're like, this this is weird advice, Joseph and Crystal, 
I want to be a Catholic disciple who's missionary-minded, but clearly I will never meet an attractive non-Christian. I, <laughs> this, this should come up. This should be a real thing for discernment because we shouldn't just be living in a Catholic bubble. Um, yeah. I think for a little while I was losing the thread of why we were talking about this, and it's because if you're single... You should still know non-Catholics, just like if you're married, we, we, we should know non-Catholics. We probably shouldn't be dating them if we're uh, married. <laughs> so it's only really relevant for, for the single people. But um, to, to mention, like, th- this should be a bit of a question if we're living a full life. Yeah, I agree. So we've talked a whole bunch about dating non-Catholics. Mm-hmm. We have a couple other special circumstances we want to talk about. Agreed. We're not going to spend quite as much time on them, but I think they're important to at least note. Yes. So the first one, <laughs> addiction and mental health issues. Should we separate those? Yeah, let's do that. Let's, you know, let's yeah. Start with addiction. Right. We're, we're not counselors. We're not therapists. We're not psychologists or psychiatrists. So this is a place where we are just offering a thought that I think is helpful for clarifying with addiction, the thing to keep in mind, there are people who are not addicted to anything. There are people who are addicted and aren't actually facing it. And then there are people who are addicted, pursuing freedom, and people who have been addicted and are now free. I think those are the, the four categories, right? And like ideally, nobody's addicted to anything, and it's not going to be a concern in dating. Realistically... People are going to be in the other three categories, either addicted to something and not facing it, addicted to something and facing it, or having been addicted to something and found a place of freedom. And that, I think, is the, the a note that I want to make sure you hear, dear listener, is that freedom is possible when there is addiction. Um, and as Joseph mentioned, we're not counselors, we're not psychologists, we're, we're not those things, but we do know that freedom is possible. We've seen it in our own lives, in the lives of people around us. We do know that there are resources available. Um, there are different resources depending on the different kind of addiction. This would could be another like 15-part podcast in and of itself. The point that I think we want to get across here is that if you have addiction in your life, healing is possible. And at least beginning the journey of healing and freedom from addiction is I, I mean, I want to say imperative <laughs> to being able to date well. Yeah. Um, but it's, Prerequisite, maybe. Yeah. So if, if this is something in your own life that you're struggling with, I just really want to encourage you to to pursue healing before you pursue dating. Um, if you are already in a relationship and you know that addiction is influencing it in one way or another, it might be worth taking a step back or taking a step out or taking a pause to be able to have that ad- addiction be addressed. And and here's why this is really important because if addiction does not go addressed and um, marriage is pursued. Um, like if they just kept it hidden. Yes. Yeah. Like if you, if you're struggling with an addiction and you don't tell your girlfriend or boyfriend this and you end up getting engaged and getting married and, it's actually an impediment to marriage. So it would mean that you are not actually getting the sacramental graces if you enter into or try to enter into a marriage with an an addiction that is unknown to the other. 
if you go to the trouble of making it known to them and saying, I'm not going to do anything about it, that's a huge, huge red flag. Whereas if there's a knowledge about it and you're doing something to pursue it and you're able to share positive steps that you're making to um, obtain freedom, that's that actually says a lot about you more than just the addiction in and of itself. Right. And I mean, we could do a whole series of podcasts, especially about uh, kinds of sexual addiction. The fact that we live in an over-sexualized culture where literally there are uh, people who are seeking to ensnare people in these sins at younger and younger ages and setting things up so that people are essentially scarred and wounded and their addiction is a way of coping with that woundedness, right? Whereas in bygone generations, if somebody was addicted to pornography, they had to go out of their way in order to pursue that. Um, It was a very different kind of addiction then. And so the answer to it seems to be a a somewhat different response. Um, And to have that kind of charity in mind, like we're, we're dealing with a very wounded world uh, that continues to wound each ge- ensuing generation. And I think this is why, um, in a lot of ways, why there there was that sort of initial clump of addiction and mental health issues, because um, there, there are similarities in terms of if this is something going on, how does it relate to dating with both addiction and mental health? And also, I would say, as Joseph was talking about, similar mercy that needs to be had, because... If you, if you only want to date somebody that has never had any struggle with addiction and has never had any mental health issues, you might be called to celibacy. I mean, there are some people, but it's harder and harder and harder to find people that haven't had one of those things going on. Um, and so obviously mental health is something very, or can be something very, very, very different than addiction. Um, but as it relates to dating, it is also a thing that um, healing can be pursued in. Um, It is also a thing where help is available. And if you are not pursuing um, any trying to find help and and positive progress in mental health issues, also that precedes, finding that help precedes dating, um, ideally. Um, Or if you're already in a dating relationship, being able to take a minute to pursue that healing. Again, this isn't about being perfectly healed from every struggle with a mental health illness or being perfectly healed from ever being tempted from something that was addicting in the past. This is about are you pursuing um, hope? Are you pursuing healing? Are you pursuing what Christ made you for? Um, Is that something that's active in your life? Um, And so is is there at least the pursuit of freedom in those things? And then also, again, freedom and clarity, what we keep coming back to is there clarity if you are in a romantic relationship about what's going on. Not that the person that you're dating, especially if it's early on in a dating relationship, needs to know every single nitty-gritty detail, but but are they aware that, that there is something that you are addressing that is going to help you be made more whole and more um, ready for sharing life with somebody so yeah and again just as uh we ask businesses not to discriminate based on mental health or based on anything like that we shouldn't be discriminating 
when we're dating people uh, because whatever their issues may be, they're still called to a life of virtue and they're still capable of progressing. Uh, they may be lacking in hope, in which case they may need uh, a network of friends and that should perhaps precede dating to, to really encourage them to have a support network. Um, but that doesn't disqualify them from from a romantic relationship. Not doing anything about it, not, not desiring to grow in virtue, not de- desiring to address issues as they're being made more apparent, um, that could be disqualifying mm-hmm. uh, insofar as I don't want to go to business with someone who isn't going to try to be proactively addressing problems, right? I want to be proactively addressing issues. Uh, I want to be married to someone who's proactively addressing issues, whether they be internal issues or external issues. Uh, I I think it's okay to say, like, I I think you can improve, and I I don't think it's wrong to ask you to, to consider becoming the best version of yourself. I would agree with all that has been said. So other things that we're going to address even more briefly. Bum, bum, bum. Um, family of origin issues uh, are is a thing that can affect dating. I feel like one of our intros for these dating things, or maybe it was for the uh, Catholic marriage and apostolic life, was about starting a restaurant, having never been to a good restaurant. Yes. Right, and and this is this is the issue of family of life or family of origin, kinds of uh, questions. If we haven't seen what a healthy marriage is, what a healthy family life looks like, can we actually reasonably be expected to pursue it? And grace is real, and God is real, and if you haven't had that available and you're trying to figure it out, it is possible. However, if you can find any Catholic family. If that you admire. That you admire. Go spend as much time with them as humanly possible. And if you can do that in the midst of your dating relationship, do that. Like We love, love, love having young couples come and share a meal with us, or we've even had a couple come and stay a couple of nights with us. Obviously, they were in separate spaces, but, <laughs> um, but we love inviting people into our life and sharing our family. We're not doing it perfectly. Um, but we're trying to learn and we're willing to talk about it. Uh, and so I just, if there is any family that is trying to live an authentic Catholic marriage that you admire, they very likely would very much enjoy to have you around. You will probably be put to work. <laughs> Hopefully you are. Hopefully you are put to work. Um, but, but that will really allow you not only to understand and maybe even heal from issues from your own upbringing, um, but also will give you some fodder for conversation about what are what would we be aiming for together in this kind of relationship. Um, and then again, sort of like the other things we've talked about, if, if there are more serious traumas or things that need to be addressed, doing that is important to getting more serious in a relationship. Yeah, we, we can't change our family of origin and we shouldn't try to, we shouldn't pretend to, but nor are we constrained by that family of origin, right? We're not doomed to repeat the mistakes of prior generations, but in order to escape the cycle, we actually have to step out of it. We have to find other examples. So if someone, if you're, if you, oh, listener, are dating someone 
who is from an unhappy childhood uh, with very broken uh, background, and they cannot name a single married couple that they admire or that they would desire to emulate, that is an issue. But if they're from a really messed up background, really broken home life, and they've gone out of their way to see uh, other families and, and to, to, to learn from other families, and they, they have couples that they admire that they spend time with, that's actually a huge thing. That, that shows a huge, huge uh, sign of character that, that should probably be attractive, I, I imagine. Yes, I would say so. Okay, and the last thing that we want to talk about in this episode about unusual circumstances in dating is baggage from prior relationships. So odds are good if people have been dating in the dating world and not following our advice, there might be some woundedness. Even if people are following our advice to the letter, there might still be some woundedness. We can't guarantee a lack of a broken heart. Um, we, we can just say there's freedom and clarity. The, the breakups will not be as bad. Yeah, so again, pursuing as much freedom and clarity as possible in this, right? So if you need time to heal from a previous relationship, do that before jumping into another one. Um, if there are things that a new significant other does that trigger memories or things that are going on, um, ha- that's an opportunity to be discerning if you need some more counseling about that pre- previous relationship, if you just need to have a conversation with the person you're dating now about what's going on so that you can move forward, um, if you need some prayer with a trusted friend to help move on or maybe even going to confession. Um, But this is a thing that can happen um, and is worth addressing, is worth creating as much freedom and clarity around. And again, if you're not able to share those things with the new person that you're dating, that's going to be problematic. Yeah. Yeah. With, with all of these different kinds of special circumstances, the, the question is, are people actually do we see them as human beings who are on a journey and we're meeting them in the midst of a journey, not at the end of the journey? And are we just walking with them to see, do we have a similar end in mind? Do we, are we choosing a similar path together? Right. It, it's, it's almost like we're saying treat people like they're human beings, not as if they're labels. Brilliant. Almost like that. I love it. I think that's a great place. To wrap up. Mm-hmm. If you like these podcasts, please, please share them. Tell your friends. Give us a rating. We're certainly not the end of a conversation on these unique circumstances. Let it be a good beginning, I hope. Yeah. um, I've been hanging out on Instagram a little bit more at Our Outpost, if you want to drop by over there. And we've still got a little Facebook page. Um, And I'm going to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for... Um, anybody that might listen to this podcast, I just pray that um, you would continue to heal Joseph and I's hearts, that we might be more free and more clear. And I pray for our listeners that they also would be open to your holy will and have hope in whatever their circumstances are. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Take my hand and let's be
From our outpost to yours, thanks for listening. And a special thanks to John Mark Skoke. That's S-K-O-C-H. For the music. Check him out on Spotify. 